0: Welcome everyone to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. Your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here today to talk to you about the exclusive Entertainment Weekly spread on Star Trek Discovery. Yes, and of course,
0: as Entertainment Weekly is... Uh, is offed to do there was quite the uh the buzz on thursday before the magazine hit newsstands on friday and i know pete we discussed the uh the successful star trek discovery panel at uh at san diego comic-con what within the last week mm-hmm. uh, and i at the time it was like well what could be an inter- entertainment weekly worth podcasting pete This is worth a podcast. (laughs) These pictures, the content in there, the character stuff, the accompanying video on EW.com. You know, I mean, they're they're, they're bringing the PR game and then some.
1: There's quite a bit. And Entertainment Weekly has had the inside track for some time now. I remember there was a stretch. I want to say like May, June, where it was like every day they were breaking a new story. And uh, to think, okay, we had the San Diego Comic-Con panel, we got a trailer, it'll kind of be quiet until um, people begin to see the show. Not so, says Entertainment Weekly, who doesn't block all uh, Twitter handles, unlike some of their writers who cover other properties that we also cover.
0: But uh, certainly not the writer of this uh, article, nor... uh, No,
1: not at all. Because Mr. Hibbard is, uh, how shall we say, Matt, a prose pro.
0: (laughs) That he is. Uh, Pete, let's start with a a quick little anecdote that I think got a lot of play uh, online. It's how the article opens. um, The notion that... Side note, let me just say, Pete, you know, when... Just a tip for all of you, all of you uh, people working in the TV industry out there who I know listen to the podcast. uh, When the press comes to visit your show for like, you know, like like parent visiting day, press visiting day, um, that's not a time to be swearing on set. Just want to throw that out there. Not saying it was a PR mistake, but... The article starts with uh, with uh, how Jason Isaacs um, was was ad-libbing in response to you know your kind of standard, they're firing phasers at us and so on and so forth. And uh, and Pete, the direct quote here is "Fire at something for God's sake." That's when uh, that's when um, familiar face to us from the uh, start uh, the Mission New York Star Trek podcast, uh, Kirsten Beyer said, "Hold on, cut, Pete." You can't say God. Why is that?
1: Because uh, religion is not so much a thing in the 23rd century.
0: Which, Pete, we're not here on this podcast to tell listeners how to think one way or another on religion. She's got it right about Star Trek's view of religion in the 23rd century. So for all you other people want to you know, throw hissy fits about lens flares or this or that or the other, how does it fit into the timeline? they're capturing that Star Trek aesthetic of people don't flippantly make references to God above in the 23rd century.
1: What does God need with a swear word? (laughs)
0: Uh, Well, uh, I I guess room on the cutting room floor for it. Uh, Pete also in the article, it gets a little bit into the Genesis, no pun intended uh, of uh, the show things that I think that we all knew, particularly the, the Brian Fuller stuff and the desire to make, star trek discovery a leader for uh, cbs all access what was news to me two things about the fuller tenure of the show first is that he wanted to do an american horror story style each season is completely different throw out the cast throw out the crew throw out the story start fresh that was number one number two was his vision Differed so drastically that it wasn't the mutual break between him and CBS. It was CBS saying it is now time for you to resign or, you know, you get fired.
1: Yeah. And you had texted me um, reading the article. You get entertainment weekly. I I pick it up when it suits me. And uh, you had texted me asking about that. And that was out there. Uh, the idea to make this um, series an anthology, like American Horror Story or Fargo or any any like that on TV right now, which are really kind of the critical darlings. Um, let let's remember the meat of this though. This was a man who was stretched entirely too thin between um, a a fifty year TV franchise returning for the first time in 12 years and a super avant garde series on another network. Um, you could see uh, a Noah Hathaway um, under similar pressure. He of um, Fargo. the uh, Fargo and the X Man one that I can't remember, Matt. What is Legion. it? Legion. Legion. Okay. Um, Again, both high profile things, none of them with a with a 50 year history, uh, both of them on the same network. So, uh, you know, as a known commodity to that and as a critical darling, they allow him to to stretch himself as he did. It was just a matter of time with Fuller. It's amazing to look back, Matt, to read that article and talk about the the frayed tenure he had with this show before he ultimately had to resign. And there we are a year ago, September sitting through the star Trek mission, New York exclusive. Here's a little look. And I'm so excited about star Trek and just off screen. You can see the fighting.
0: Yeah. Add to that. uh, Something that I think we were all kind of aware of, but I wasn't quite clear on the back and forth and back and forth regarding casting sonequa martin green they unquestionably wanted her they had already delayed the show once they wanted her amc said she is not available until the end of the season i don't know whether they spelled out the exact date wink wink nudge nudge as is their right to do to 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 hold suspense for the walking dead but it i got the impression from the article they were prepared to go with someone else until the a further delay happened and then they said wait a minute, we can make this all work with, uh, you know, secretly casting her, then publicly announcing it, and publicly starting to employ her, so on and so forth. So, I mean, <laughs> Pete, this is a, a show twice delayed that got the star that they wanted originally, then couldn't get, then could get.
1: I'm told there was a handshake agreement and showrunner to showrunner and, and people behind the scenes that they were going to make this happen, that Sonequa Martin-Green's character's arc on uh the walking dead was was spelled out they they knew what was coming um here's where i'm concerned i'm concerned that given all the hubbub about gender and race even in 2017 about a show that takes place in the 23rd century um that people with that knowledge now might be critical of sonequa martin green that Oh well, Fuller held out for her, and now look where we are. Which, let's let's be open-minded and again embrace in the spirit of the show what needs to be what.
0: Well, part of the the Entertainment Weekly blitz that was out there included uh, about a two and a half minute video on the EW website, and Pete, a she addresses that and she says. There needs, you know, there needs to be a certain level of uh, representation and, and things of that sort that we've heard before. However, there was a little fire in her voice. That I totally applaud. This is no way me being critical. And it was like, I kind of got the impression where it's like, enough is enough over this debate. This is what it needed to be. Not just yes. you know, her being a, the selfish actor kind of thing. Just saying, this is what it needed to be. I, I kind of sensed she was choosing her words a little carefully, but also was sending across, at the very least, power. I don't want to quite say annoyance. I don't want to paint it in that way. But there's kind of this strength to her saying, this is the way it needs to be now. We can't go yeah. pluck pl- pluck the palest actor in Canada and bring him on down to be captain this time. There needs to be something more to Star Trek.
1: I love it. And I think she's going to be an international star as a result of the success of the show. I'm so glad they plucked her off The Walking Dead. I mean, let's be honest. She wasn't going to be Rick or Daryl or Carl or anybody else. okay? And uh, Star Trek Discovery and this franchise will completely benefit
0: couple of other goodies from entertainment weekly concerning the fuller era Uh, they note that there was squabbling over the budget which they peg at six million dollars per episode and then entertainment weekly says quote uh that number is either on the high side for an original drama series or a bit lean for an ambitious genre show which i certainly would agree with um i guess it is what it is um but i could see how Having seen just the one episode of American Gods and knowing how Brian Fuller likes to dream big, which is a quote of his from the article as well, I could see how $6 million could be a tight a tight budget for particular versions of, of what the show could be.
1: Budgetarily, I think they're going to be just fine. They've taken a lot of steps to uh, control that, the move to Toronto as opposed to Burbank. Um, you know, the the amount of... And and the quality of the sets and the props that we've seen Um, in the in the photo shoot. Obviously, you've got um, Saru wearing the makeup, but um, you know, during the video, the actor Doug Jones is not wearing the prosthesis and then whatever digital work I'm sure they're doing with his character. Um, And then there's the hooves, which, uh, you know, the panel at San Diego Comic-Con talked about, but we're seeing his character's feet and his, the actor's footwear for the first time. So I I think they're going to be just fine budgetarily. I don't think we're going to be looking back like, oh, you know, the plywood in that scene was unconvincing,
0: Uh well Pete let's stick with Lieutenant saru there for a second. Um I know that he did he did the walk at uh, San Diego Comic-Con. He discussed how he was uh the character was portrayed as walking on on the balls of his feet. Um seeing these pictures in in the magazine I didn't fully appreciate what he was saying that the the character literally is balanced on the the um on the balls of his feet. Uh, yeah. I had tweeted at him over the weekend uh kind of just asking you know how do you stay upright you must have kind of steel in your uh in your in your boot there pete i must must admit uh i, w- I was reminded seeing the boots of the uh the despite the title of the movie the otherwise lovable and empowering film kinky boots which talks about <laughs> other things about this uh, it's based on a real life story about a, a british shoe factory owner who realizes there's yeah. a market for gentlemen wearing high-heeled boots um so I was thinking of this, that, I mean, in the movie, the guy comes up with a way to support a man's weight in boots. This must be what they're doing for it. I got the, I got the, the like from Doug Jones got no response to Pete. There's the magic of TV in the, in the movies, but.
1: And the cone, the cone of silence. Yeah. They really look, and this is the, the first shot we've gotten of them on that one cover. They look Sater like, which I really dig. They're a little lower then obviously the joint um, and he's wearing a boot. So <laughs> Starfleet for this first Capellan uh, uh, of, of his uh, ancestry has clearly made footwear uh, through the replicator as well. So yeah, I just, uh, he's, he's going to be the Spock of the show. I know they're, um, you know, they're, they're playing towards the, uh, the arrogance and, you know, the, the data, the Spock in, insert, you know, that archetype throughout the um, the seven existing shows to this point. And uh, he, he's going to be a massively popular character already is
0: definitely already is uh it was interesting to see some of that footage on the website there uh, where it kind of was like duh of course since he's in this tight-fitting makeup and it's around his whole head of course he's shaving his head every day and you kind of look at him and go the amount of time this guy must spend in the makeup chair yeah this is far from leonard nimoy must show up a half hour before william shatner because they got to do the ears i I mean this is not even just full face i.e michael dorn you know with a wig to hide the line in the back and and right. you know some uh some fu manchu mustache full head prosthetic here thank goodness this guy is good at what he does pete i cannot imagine i, I, I know it's similar enough for the likes of armin shimmerman and um renee abert and, and characters like that but thank goodness they are actors willing to a wrap their heads in rubber and then b we now have doug jones walking on you know steel reinforced presumably steel reinforced (laughs) balance boots
1: and i think that's where people lose sight of the budget that stuff they've got to develop it then they've got to screen test it then they've got to apply it and they've got to maintain it and uh in an era of digital oversaturation on TV. I mean, long in the films have we had too many elements done digitally. And, you know, there was the, uh, the over, um, really the overwhelming tableau in the Star Wars prequels that, you know, people cried again for, you know, uh, practical, sets and and practical effects and here they're doing that so i i think you've you've got to put that again into perspective that stuff costs money
0: it absolutely does and uh i mean whether it's the prosthetic stuff whether it's the uniform stuff uh part of what else entertainment weekly had on the website pete's like it's like this magazine is more about being a website than this magazine sometimes. <laughs> um, but we got the first look at uh, cadet Tilly's uh, badge, which is different than everyone else's. It's yes, it's, it's assumed
1: reminiscent of some later stuff.
0: Yeah. It kind of has, it, it's got a square background. It has four uh, horizontal lines. The assumption being that denotes a fourth year cadet, definitely evocative of the uh, next generation presentation of, uh, the cadet badge, uh, reminiscent of the uh, some of the the future views that Next Generation had, Future Imperfect, and the yeah. like. Um, Pete, just based, I on... saw
1: that and I did a double take. I'm like, wait a minute, she's she's wearing an alternate universe comm badge, um, and it's so cool. As uh, maybe a nod, maybe not. Who knows? It's just visually uh, their combat or they're not combat, excuse me, their Starfleet insignia, um, you know, are so interesting to look at what with the texture and there was that line coming down the middle and their pips are on there, their 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 command. Um, you know, insignia and to throw that one in there with the four lines. I'm like, wait a minute. Did I see that correctly? Rewind that. Oh my God. She's got the future imperfect one on. Yes. We're nerds. Well, and this is part of what Star
0: Trek is about, right? I mean, you got to be nerding out about uh, alien details, uniform details. Pete, I'm still back and forth on the whole half collar thing. I'm not, I'm not sure my feelings on it, but uh, I guess time will tell. Um, but I'll tell how's you
1: this coming for New York comic-con has, has your cosplay coming for, for that.
0: I, I, I always cosplay as a, as a early 21st century American, um, to, to kind of blend in, you know, don't, don't <laughs> look like it's a cadet review, uh, looking at you enterprise crew circa 1986 or so. Um, but, uh, all I know is this based on seeing Mary Wiseman and, and her talking to entertainment weekly and seeing more of uh, cadet Tilly. I know I am a hundred percent hashtag team Tilly. And, uh, the idea that she is the, uh, you know, she's, uh, obviously not even yet a commissioned officer. She's going to be roommates with uh, commander Burnham. And uh, to me, this just sounds like another breakout character we have in cadet Tilly.
1: So she's Wesley.
0: Well, I think, you know what, Pete, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ignore that. And I'm going to respond, however I'm still going to respond. Um, I think she is more the the Winston in Ghostbusters. She is the person who can be the proxy for the audience, um, particularly. And, and Pete, you know, we, we we run spoiler free, but let's set spoilers now to yellow alert here. A little supposition based on what we're seeing. Um, Michael Burnham has a fall from grace at some point. We don't know whether it's before the pilot or during the pilot. We know... Commander Burnham goes from the shenzhou to the Discovery at some point. Perhaps the fall of Grace, you know, is, is, is uh something that leads to being transferred to a new ship. Um if Burnham is new on this ship, and if this ship is going to be the, you know, the Discovery is gonna, gonna be wonderful and different and worth spending multiple seasons on, we're going to need somebody to be the proxy for us where Burnham says, Hey, why do you have this? Well, I, I, I read the reports cause I'm the new cadet and so on and so forth. So I don't know. I'm totally excited about, uh, Mary Wiseman's cadet Tilly.
1: Mary Wiseman is an attractive gal and I'm sure that in her Wesley esque, uh, you know, archetype, she's going to, uh, be able to help Michael Burnham, uh, you know, onto the discovery and, you know they'll be they'll be friends and all that, but uh, come on, man, Lieutenant Saru is where it's at.
0: So, Pete, your your hashtag team Saru, absolutely we'll a, a cold-blooded
1: predator who can smell death, Matt, and and you want to go with uh, a, essentially the same archetype that is the first one to die in a Vietnam movie. Well, Pete, you, you rare is
0: it that you are that you are incorrect and in fact i believe i've lost two back-to-back uh official bets with you and i owe you two burgers as a result <laughs> just want to point out that in entertainment weekly doug jones uh refers to to the kelpians as a prey species so some of those instincts of uh, sensing death are are to preserve themselves because they can sense the sense the predators that they are not the predators
1: I think he is the predator that his character is actually the same one that has been, uh, uh, chasing, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, for 300 years. So, uh, <laughs> surprise, massive crossover. Well, Pete, let's change subjects slightly.
0: Uh, it was not just wonderful to see but interesting to see over the weekend uh there was an article from uh, treknews.net are we entering the next golden age of star trek you know kind of summarizing some of the stuff that's out there slightly click clickbaity headline but it's you know it's all good it's up front saying hey we have a speculative thing about how great discovery is going to be and i didn't see the original tweet from uh uh, treknews.net um but i saw cast responses to it so i started to go back up the thread and here's what happened they sent out that tweet, thre- that that tweet tagged the many of the cast members who are on uh, who are on twitter and immediately there's a response from a guy who says in response to the question are we entering the next golden age of star trek most definitely not this show is trying too hard already too much kelvin timeline inspiration for the prime timeline get rid of the thr stupid lens flares <laughs> Don't get Come me on, wrong. Man. I'll watch the show, but I don't see any inspiration from Roddenberry in this show. Yeah, I'm sorry. The, you know, uh, <laughs> the wonderful rainbow of diversity on the bridge. Yeah, it totally un-Roddenberry, un-Roddenberry. But Pete, here's where it takes an interesting turn. Response from Anthony Rapp you're surely jumping to many conclusions i promise you, you definitively that discovery is not even close to being all action hashtag space talk boom reply from mary Chifo: truth um and uh then jason isaacs oh because somebody had said you know oh they can explain what's going on with the klingons a they've already hinted that they are that this is an older sect of klingons or tr- traditional sect of klingons and we're gonna make
1: the empire great again
0: Matt. <laughs> um anthony rapp said i can't comment on the, the nature of the klingons
1: boom jason
0: isaacs comment comes in i can comment just won't do you really want all <laughs> the answers now my brother reads the last page of books first i think he's weird enjoy
1: you take the captain off i mean <laughs> listen I got everything I needed to know about Anthony Rapp when I found out that the character, the actor who will play Lieutenant Stamets, the first openly gay TV show regular for Star Trek, that his favorite episode is the original series, The Devil in the Dark, which is my favorite episode. Okay, so uh, these people who are writing there misspelled Matt as I read it. Uh, dumb things at the cast here. Um, it's it's like Sinqua Martin Green said at San Diego Comic Con. These people need to remember what it is they're watching.
0: So very true indeed. I'm I'm glad that there's not a uh, there's not an edict from down on high from Star Trek HQ. You know, you, you shall not talk back to fans. You shall not you know upset anyone. You, you know pete th- this guy who is so sure that there's no gene Roddenberry, he's potentially you know eight dollars a month don't don't take him off it's nice to see them pushing back a little bit it was totally respectful and certainly wasn't a pile on but just this notion that on a saturday morning i don't know whether they're filming or not on a, on a saturday morning but a saturday morning their phones are starting to light up oh i'll respond oh well if uh, if anthony responded well, i'm gonna respond this and not the other you're seeing their personalities and it's it's it, it's so nice to see. It's nice to see them standing up for this show because precious few people know how good or how bad. Precious people know the content of the show. They certainly should, and if they're proud of it, that makes me only all the more excited.
1: Absolutely. I think that um, with the media rollout, people are increasingly starting to get what's what. And, um, you know, those that uh, obviously misunderstand the premise of this show that's existed for 51 years are starting to drift away
0: pete as soon as this podcast is done i'm gonna hop on twitter i'm gonna run a poll amongst all y'all star trek fans uh we're gonna see whether you're on my side or you're on pete's side are you hashtag team tilly or are you hashtag team saru uh, i think it'll be a fun debate to get started there uh, and assuming it's successful we can see who uh who they could go head-to-head with, uh, with what future characters uh, we we might run polls about. Until that tar
1: monster shows up in episode 13, man. (laughs) Uh, Let's
0: hope not. Hashtag Team Tilly. Um, If you are listening to us on the uh, Discovery podcast feed, we will update as, uh, as, as news warrants. I was sure a week ago, Pete, that we were... We were shutting down Discovery for another month, and oh, uh, maybe in August throw something the listeners' way. Come up with something. Here we are, two weeks in a row with Discovery stuff. So you know, as news warrants, certainly uh, I'm sure in August we'll we'll touch base uh, ahead of uh, continuing to get excited for the show uh, appearing in September.
1: Definitely, and um, as we get closer here, Matt, keeping in touch with uh, CBS. And what they give us access to um, before the show, of course, airs on September 24th. We're going to keep you as up to date as is uh, kelpianly possible.
0: (laughs) Indeed. And uh, Pete, this is all made possible by our, our pals, our crew on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, helping not just with the the storage, not just with the bandwidth. They are helping make sure that the matter-antimatter reaction assembly is uh, continuing to, to work. They're making sure that the grav plates continue to hold us down. They are, Pete, the beating heart of our ship.
1: That was at least a $3 contribution right there so that Matt could say, whatever he just said about the, the, the warp assembly. But, um, you know, there's nobody better than our patrons. So get yourself to patreon.com P A T R E O N slash fantastic geek with the pH, all one word, everybody who contributes, no matter what level gets exclusive podcast content. We just laid down a, uh, a Patreon only clip about Pete, oh, oh, Pete, p- 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 don't say too uh, much, uh, uh, don't I take just we, leave one down. How's, how's that?
0: <laughs> that's, that? That's that's perfect. Um, we we want to keep it special for those patrons,
1: we do, we do. Okay, so uh, then there's all sorts of levels that you can contribute at, and we're grateful for even considering,
0: Pete. That said. Our hailing frequencies are always open. How can people be in touch with you on the Twitter?
1: You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-A-T-L-R-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 9,407 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with us in a whole variety of ways. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the P and the H. FantasticGeek.com, FantasticGeekGmail.com, FantasticGeek at Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well.
1: But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash FantasticGeek, all one word with the PH. It's the place to connect with us on Star Trek Discovery, on every TV show in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's Defenders, that's Inhumans, that's The Punisher, that's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., all of them, and all sorts of other stuff.
0: If you are listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, it's like a holodeck where all our podcasts come together as one. We will be back in a few short days to continue talking about the other geeky goodness. If you're joining us on the uh, Discovery feed, as I said, we'll be back at some point in August to uh, continue the voyage towards uh, the launch date of September 24th. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final
1: word. No. Kill. I.